Welcome to the Healthy Figures Podcast, where we dive deep into the figures that affect your health. We'll discuss both literal figures like biomarkers and risk scores and human figures that are actively changing how healthcare gets delivered. Note that the information we provide in this podcast and at Precision Health Reports is not intended to replace consultation with a qualified medical professional. Don't take your health for granted. You only have one life to live. All right, welcome to the uh, Healthy Figures Podcast. I'm excited today to have Chris Cornell, our first guest. Uh, Chris is a citizen scientist. Like myself, I, I got to know Chris through his Twitter feed, Biggest Comeback. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about what that is uh, soon. You know, I really admire Chris for taking control of his health uh, a little bit later in life. Like many of us, you know, life life kind of happens and you get, you get where you're going and then you decide, uh, I want to go somewhere better. And, and I really admire Chris's Twitter chat. Very honestly, asks a lot of honest questions uh, without the subtext of trying to be the smartest guy in the room of asking leading questions just to be able to provide a, a better answer than, than uh, the person he's asking. So I really, I really appreciate that of, of Chris's Twitter feed. You know, he shares a lot of solid information and, and honestly gives back more than he takes. And, and I'm really looking forward to this conversation with Chris. Welcome, Chris. Oh, thanks a lot. I'm, I'm glad to be here. It's, it's always great talking to you. And uh, I'm very much honored to be your first guest on this podcast. It'll be a lot of fun. So, so let's start with what, uh, what motivated you in the beginning to, you know, find your metabolic health? Uh, well, uh, back uh, a few years ago when I, I'm 56 years old now, when I was about 51, I stepped on a scale while I was at my mother's house. It was, um, it was a, a rude awakening. Um, the, I, I was guessing that I would weigh about 260 and I hadn't stepped on a scale in a while and it, it said 278. And, uh, you know, over the next couple of days, I started thinking, you know, how, how I really had let myself go and, and how I wasn't able to do some of the things that I had in the past and, and that I was kind of headed in the wrong direction. I had tried to lose weight on many occasions um, and had the same experience that many have had. I could lose as much as 30, 40. I even lost 50 pounds um, once about 10 or 11 years ago. And it was very short-lived. So I was, I was, I was at this point where I, I didn't know if there was a possible way for there to be a solution to my problem. I, I mean, I had tried for literally decades, and and I'm not one of these people that was chronically obese throughout my entire life. You know, I look back at pictures, and you know, sometimes for various reasons, I'd get myself in decent shape, and then it would fall apart. And, and I just didn't think that was an acceptable way to, to resign yourself to living. So, so what happened was right around New Year's or a little after of uh, 2018, I reached out to a friend of mine uh, who had coached my, uh, my daughter in soccer for years. His name is Ken. And I, I said, Ken, I know He's, he's a chiropractor. I know that he had helped people with weight loss. And I said, Ken, if, if you had to recommend one thing for me to read to help me figure out a way to sustainably lose weight, what would it be? And I told myself that I was going to give a shot to whatever he suggested. And he was very thoughtful. And he recommended that I read Gary Taubes' book, Why We Get Fat. And I immediately ordered it on Amazon. I ordered it on my Kindle. 
and I started reading it. I think it was, um, I ordered it on January 12th, 2018. So I was, I was reading it in the waiting area of a Mexican restaurant. We were getting ready to celebrate my daughter's 16th birthday. And I was into it a little bit. And we were sitting there for like a half an hour waiting for a table. And all of a sudden I hit a couple of passages that really registered with me. And then we got called to our table and we sat down and I said, you know what? I, I think I figured something out here and I made some thoughtful changes to what I ordered that night. And honestly, that was it. It, 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 it started to work. I continued reading the book and finished it up that weekend, but I went low carb and all of a sudden, yeah, I can't remember the exact details as to which day I, I realized that I had truly, it was going to work, but it might've been two weeks later. I was like, you know what? Now I'm down three pounds. I'm not hungry and this is working. And I was like a little doubtful because in the past, everything I tried failed. I went two more weeks still working. At the end of the month, I had lost five pounds. And I was, and by the way, I, the, the, when I started the book, I had already forced myself down in weight from that 278. So I wasn't starting from 278. I had cut out sugar and and some, you know, uh, soft drinks and stuff. But anyway, I lost five pounds per month for the duration until I reached my desired weight. And then I lost another like five or seven pounds. And the thing was that five pounds a month is not a lot of weight. I realized that and I was not in a rush. I was like, holy cow, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Once you are on the right path, um, it, it, it's irrelevant because you know you're going to get there. In the past, I would always be impatient because I, I seek somehow deep inside, I knew it wasn't going to work and that getting to the destination in a certain amount of time was the important thing. Anyway, I've, I've adopted that philosophy about a lot of things in life. Like, like if you, you know, now I, I just started a training for a 5k, doesn't matter what my time is next Friday. If I'm on the right path and I do what I'm supposed to do as long as it's a sensible program, it's going to work. Um, and why, why screw everything up by getting impatient and trying to take shortcuts and all this stuff? So I, that's a long answer to, to your question. But that's, that was the, the catalyst that started it all for me. And I don't think that Gary Taubes is God. He somehow figured out a way to put a low carb diet into a book in a way that I could relate to. And I greatly admire him for that. I think he's not perfect. I don't, I think he's probably made some faulty conclusions at some point in his career. I'm not a scientist. I don't know, but I, I, I have people come at me all the time who accuse me of being um, some sort of a Gary Taubes apologist. Um, I don't think he would tell me that he's perfect. I think he's a man who is very smart. He figured out some things. He he puts it in a way people can understand. And I think in some ways that makes him a target for other people that are jealous of his success. You know, just being smart isn't enough. You have to be able to tell, put stuff in a way that people can understand. So I, that's, that's where I'm at. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. I'll tell you that that's a funny place to have a revelation in, in the uh, in the the lobby of a Mexican restaurant where so many tasty foods are there, and and I, uh, I I've got a burrito addiction myself. Um, so I definitely recognize when you sit there and you're like, holy cow! So 
that uh, so that that revelation there's an interesting place. What do you remember what you had after you changed after you decided I'm going to do something different right now? Yeah, um, I, I don't know. I'm not good with the names of foods at Mexican restaurants, but I know it had um, it had a tortilla, and it had which I guess a lot of things at a Mexican restaurant do, <laughs> and it had a, it had chicken and cheese and onions, and I know that basically I ate the chicken and the cheese and the onions. Um, and I didn't eat the tortilla and it probably wasn't a perfect meal in terms of, of the perfect low carb diet, but it, you know, I didn't eat the, um, the, the chips and the salsa that I normally eat. And I, and I, and I realized that, you know, it's it, chasing progress, not perfection. That's something that I got from the low carb MD podcast. Also, another person that I'm, I'm a fan of is Ted Naiman for his protein energy diet. But I had the pleasure of interviewing him. And he told me, um, you know, he put it into terms like you should always be seeking to improve based compared with where you are at presently. If it's not working, figure out a way to get to the next tier. Don't worry about trying to get to some perfect you know, destination. So, and, and so that's what, what Ted does. If you're, if you're, if your weight isn't coming off fast enough, crank the protein up another notch, crank the carbs or the fat down another notch, experiment, see what works. Because for most people, there's a combination that will work. And I'm cognizant mm -hmm. of the fact that there are people that are struggling with something that's different than I struggle with. And Maybe your health or some condition is going to make it difficult or even impossible, you know, in some conditions, some cases. But for me, there is a combination of macros that can get me to a relatively optimal level of health. And, you know, again, I'm not chasing perfection, but I'm 56 and I'd like to be around for a while. I want to have health and I want to have a good quality of life while I'm here. So that is what I'm chasing. And I also, I, I try to, you know, I don't just try to optimize the results, but optimize my life while I'm chasing them. So just as a quick example, Brady Homer, who is a PhD candidate and a very accomplished runner, just gave me a program for a 5k training. But part of my stipulation, he was very kind to offer it. I said, I know there's probably plans that will get me to my destination faster and turn me into a better runner, but I'm going to limit this to 120 minutes a week. That's all I'm putting in. And he came back with a plan that, you know, how long it takes per week? Exactly oh. 120 minutes. He used up every <laughs> single minute. I didn't realize that he would, like, I, I actually, you know, I was kind of figuring like time it took me to get to the track or put my running shoes on or whatever. But anyway, I'm going to commit to this 120 minutes a week because I think that's a reasonable amount of time. Uh, I don't have five or seven days to put in to this plan. I'm doing three days a week and 120 minutes, but that's part of my deal, you know? And then when I lift weights, I know I could get bigger and stronger if I spent more hours in the gym, but I have a life. So I want to get, I want to try to like balance everything for the best result I can get in all respects. That's interesting. You know, you talked about previously, you know, yo-yoing yo a little bit back and forth with on your health journey and, and having yeah. some some ups and downs and at various stages, you know, getting healthier than, than losing it and getting back and forth. And I, th I think you hit the nail on the head there with sustainability. You know, it's finding uh, a nutrition plan and finding uh, an activity plan 
that fits in your quality of life that, you know, you're right. You can, you can spend three hours a day at the gym, six days a week. You're probably gonna get weaker because your body needs to recover, but you know, you can't spend like, like a kid, you know, when you're playing sports in, in high school, when you did two a days, you can't do that as an adult, you've got life, you've got thing, other things you want to do. You, you want to, you know, li- live a good quality of life and you don't want to be sore nonstop either. Right. You want to find what is good enough. And so that's interesting. You gave Brady the, uh, you know, I want to do about, about 120 minutes and, and he found a program that works 120 minutes. Maybe you should have said, I want to work in 90 minutes a week. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, I would encourage there's, there's, it kind of touches on another aspect. Um, I forget. Do you know the the name of the uh, the Navy SEAL David Goggins? I think David Goggins. Name. Right now, somebody gave me um, the the lyrics to one of his songs. It's about um, on the other side is greatness. If you can do what you don't want to do or what you don't like, and I I respect him immensely for that. On the other hand, and I respect I, I respect people like you who served in the military and went to West Point. I respect the ability to get through stuff that is unpleasant and really hard. But on the other hand, I know for myself, you know, I without having a drill sergeant hanging over me, forcing me to do the pull-ups, I have to figure out a way to make the things that I do sustainable and it's part of my life. I have to figure out ways to make this stuff enjoyable to some some level. I mean, running isn't always going to be fun, but you know, I went out for my first run on this training program today, two and a half miles at a 10 minute pace. And I made it fun. I listened to music. I didn't kill myself and it was fun. And I play little games where, you know, like I, the spacing of the sets and what I'm doing. And I sometimes I, t- I tell myself, well, if I get a good set, I'll post it on Twitter. By the way, posting on Twitter, in addition to, you know, maybe it's a little vain, but it's it's a good way of keeping track. It's a good way of um, of holding myself accountable. And um, and I think you mentioned that sometimes I, you know, I, I show the I show the flaws as well as the successes, not just for other people to see. But for myself to see, you know, like I don't succeed every time. I, in fact, I fail a lot. But anyway, I like I like figuring out ways to make things fun and enjoyable because it's more sustainable. And I know from past experience that I've you know, I ran cross country in high school. I wasn't particularly great at it. But, you know, running five or six days a week, seven, eight, ten miles is not fun for me. And if I run five miles on Monday or Tuesday, then I come home, you know, and come back and take a shower and all of a sudden I start thinking, oh my gosh, I have to go do that again tomorrow. It's too much for me. I start dwelling on the fact. So I was like, well, all right, well, three days a week is good because if I miss a day, it's easy to make up. You know, if, you, if you're supposed to run on Thursday and you miss it for whatever reason, because life got in the way, do it on Friday. You still can figure out. You can't do that when you're, when you're on a six-day plan because if you miss a day, like I mean, I guess you get one of those per week, but if it's set to first time it happens twice, you're, 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 you're screwed up. You're already behind. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, you're right. It's, it's, it's about a sustainable plan. And I I love that idea that, you know, you're not chasing, uh, you're not chasing progress. You're not chasing perfection You're chasing progress and watching, watching progress happen. You know, I've had the benefit of watching you from afar on on Twitter. You're right. It's not always pretty. It's not always perfect. It's progress. And I'll tell you, watching you chase 325 on bench press is, uh, is pretty, is pretty fun. I, I, um, 
I aspire, I aspire to be that far, that far along. My, I'm, I'm, a, I'm in a two rep max right now of 275. I backed off a little bit with some shoulder pain, but I'm watching you at 325, thinking, man, I can get there. Well, the, the honest truth is, I'm, I, I haven't gotten there, and I think in 2021, my high is, oh, I guess it's 310, and um, I failed at 315, like, I, I don't know, five times. I'm a little off that now, off 310. I. And I don't know when and if I'll ever get back. Um, I gave it a good run and um, it certainly was fun. And I was certainly psyched when I got 310. The reason that I'm, I'm actually going, my goal is 320 because once when I was younger, I got 319 <laughs> and the 319 is kind of funny because I, at that time I, I did it by myself and I, I took the collars off. I, so it was, um, you know, the total weight came to like 319. And I got it. It was a pretty pathetic looking set, but uh, uh, rep. But um, I thought, well, you know, but I, I weigh, I think I weighed uh, 255 when I got that. So now I weigh about two, 200 even. So I know it's um, a, more of an accomplishment at the lower weight. Yeah, you're right. And it's, it's, it's finding what, what your goals are and what motivates you. I have, I have a friend this morning at the gym, uh, Holly. She's I'm not sure how old she is. I don't want to speculate. She's a little bit older than I am, but she, uh, she bench pressed hundred pounds for the first time this morning and, and was ecstatic. And again, it's not about being the, the strongest and the best. It's about finding your goals and, and being happy with where you're headed so, and, and, and loving the journey. And I've watched, I've watched her over a couple of years now. She, she loves the journey of, of getting there. We like all of us has setbacks with, you know, an injury here or there or some back soreness as we get older and we don't recover quite as well, but you know, chasing that progress is, is so much fun. And, and I know you've, you, you shared a lot of your progress chasing and I, I, I appreciate that. And in and, and some days where I don't feel motivated, I look over and, I see you, you know, knocking out a set of, of uh, pull-ups there in your, in your, I guess your kitchen on your pull-up bars there, whatever. Uh, I've got a set of pull-up bars over here next to me in the office, and I may, I may hop up and go grab a set real quick, just because I saw, uh, saw you post your stuff there. So keep being motivating too. Yeah, well, I, I, there's no question that some of this social media stuff. I, I hear a lot of people knock Twitter for the negatives, but I've found a group of people. Uh, it's and it's rather large who who can identify with some of the things that I went through. But simultaneously, I, I've got people that I identify with what they're going through. And, and it's not that you're comparing yourself specifically to another individual, but there's some common things. We all face obstacles. Um, you know, I had, I had cancer a couple of years ago that I got through and people really, really helped me out from a sense of support. Um, I mean, I had great support from my wife and my family and my mother, but there was additional support, uh, people that would send me messages, um, you know, uplifting messages. People would send me song uh, suggestions that I could listen to during radiation, which I went through every, every weekday for six weeks. And I mean, I would, I would have sometimes 10 or 15 people sent on a given day, send me songs. And I would really, I would, when I walked into the radiation thing to get strapped down for their radiation treatment, they would ask me what, what music do you want to listen to today? And, and I would pick a song or an artist that somebody suggested. And then I would indeed listen to that exact music while I was getting the painful radiation rays uh, through my neck and my throat. And it, it really meant a lot. You know, you're like actually listening to words in a song that someone picked out specifically for what you're going through. And some of them, some of them, you know, really got to me, you know, it was uh, uplifting, emotional, um, comeback songs, things like that. And, uh, and uh, it, it's just good to know that there's people that are on your side. And 
So that kind of carried on afterwards. I realized from that how much it meant to me. And I since then have had many people reach out to me for help. You know, people, lots of people respond just through a comment on Twitter and just ask publicly. But then sometimes people send me a direct message or um, an email in response to the email that I send out on a weekly basis. And they ask for something like, hey, how did you get through this part of your cancer treatment? Or I'm having trouble with this in my weight loss goals. And I don't pretend to, to be any sort of an advisor or an expert, but I'm a human being that went through some of these things. And I can tell them, in you know, this worked for me. Don't assume that it's going to work for you, but put it on the table as something that you might want to consider. And if it has anything to do with any possible negative health effects, of course, talk it, talk it over with your doctor. But, you know, that and that that reminds me of something. Um, you know, I, when I was going through cancer treatment, I would have people send me long direct messages, basically telling me what I should do in terms of my diet. For example, they'd tell me you shouldn't eat anything with carbohydrates in it. And I would kind of laugh to myself because um, I was on a low carb diet, but I was also for, for six weeks, I was losing weight like crazy because food became repulsive to me. And quite honestly, I had to eat some carbohydrates that I wouldn't ordinarily eat because I literally couldn't get certain foods down without gagging. I mean, things that were previously appealing, you know, and I was in a position where if I lost for that six weeks, you know, I, if I had lost too much more weight, they were going to have to stop the chemo, believe it or not, because of my, um, uh, the, the resistance or the antibodies that I had, you know, every, everything was going the wrong direction. So, you know, I was have to, having to eat stuff that I wouldn't ordinarily eat. So I, I never really held that against anybody, but don't assume that because something seems right to you, that it's necessarily right for someone else. There's, there's a lot of factors when it comes to, to what you've got to do to get through cancer. And part of it is, you know, maintaining a weight that's in a body that's strong enough to get through it. And so, you know, I never tell people what they should do. I just tell them what worked for me and why I think it worked for me and maybe why you might talk this over with your doctor or you might do something that differently that works for you. It's something you share with me in the past and um, I'd love, love to hear it again because it, it's interesting to me every time, but finding your metabolic health and, and you've shared, you know, how that helps help find your cancer diagnosis to begin with. And then if you could share a little bit about the impact of being metabolically healthy, how that made your cancer treatment more sustainable, because you're right, you know, you start losing weight and you get below some threshold and you can't, you can't continue the treatment that your body needs, but being metabolically healthy, you know, how did that help you prepare for that fight? Um, yeah, sure. The um, diagnosed with cancer in like October of 2018. And it's interesting. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm sure I had the cancer for a fairly, fairly decent amount of time before it was diagnosed. It, there was actually a lump in my neck that um, had started in the uh, in the springtime. And I assumed that I had a swollen gland and I made an appointment for the doctor and her schedule was such that uh, she couldn't see me until the end of August. And it just wasn't concerning to me. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. And I, I mean, I know better now. And if you ever have a lump in your neck, uh, make an appointment and get down to your doctor like today. Um, and I'm sure that, you know, my doctor kind of shied me for that when I finally saw her, but um, they got me in to, you know, you know, it was the end of August and within a week I was in getting CAT scans and everything like that. But when I was finally diagnosed, I was in the best shape physically aside from the cancer than I'd been in probably ever in my life. 
I was running three times a week. I was lifting and I was at a very healthy body weight. I weighed about um, 200 pounds. And I think that when I started, when I finally started the chemotherapy and the radiation, which wasn't until, it wasn't until December, I don't know exactly. There was a lot that went on between the, um, the diagnosis and the, the treatment. And I guess they figured, they figured out that, um, you know, they, there was, there was a lot of stuff that went on. I, I think I started on December 17th, 2018 for six weeks, but at that time I was, I was very healthy and I was, uh, I think my body was, um, able to deal with the chemo and the radiation better than if I had been, uh, at my previous condition. Um, you know, I have no way of proving that, but I will say that, I mean, the doctors, I mean, they remarked on my health my cardiovascular and my muscular health many times and definitely made me feel like, uh, you know, really good that I had gotten myself into better shape. And then also, um, you know, you're going to lose muscle and you, you're going to be way off your game when you come out of that. So if I, you know, I was, I was, I was weak when I came out, but it didn't, you know, I got back on the um, the running and the lifting. Well, I think I started with push-ups, actually push-ups and running. But I remember after after the um, the chemo and the radiation, that first time I went out for a run with my wife, and I couldn't run a mile. Back in the fall when I was diagnosed, I was running, um, you know, eight-minute miles and four, you know, maybe four miles with just no no effort. So uh, so it was a little. Uh, I couldn't imagine what I would have been like if I went into that in the, the out of shape condition that I'd been in a few years earlier. And then, and then psychologically also, you know, you, you, um, when you feel good about yourself and you feel like you're healthy and, and you're on, you know, it's, it, it helps. I think, I think struggling with cancer is a lot of it is a mind game. I mean, you, you're, you're battling something. And if you feel like you're going to beat it, you, um, have a better chance. Uh, you know, it's not all in your head. It's certainly not, you know, there's, a lot of it's beyond your control, but people that go into to a difficult situation with a good attitude, I think any doctor would say that your outcome probabilities are enhanced. And, you know, and then this, this all just comes back to me as I look at what we've gone through for the last year and a half as a country, you know, people that are struggling with um, metabolic health, and then a COVID crisis comes and hits us. And, you know, there's a lot of people that act like it's out of their control and whether or not you get COVID is probably out of your control to a large degree, but how fit and healthy you are when you are faced with that is within your control. And it's, it's not something that would take six years to get yourself in good metabolic health. I'm now talking with doctors on a regular basis. Well, that's another thing with this whole Twitter thing that I've done. Uh, here I am on a podcast with you, Matt, owner of um, and founder of Precision Health Reports, providing a service that helps people get control of their metabolic health. I'm also able to have conversations with medical doctors, uh, PhD nutritionists, and I'm writing articles on a regular basis of these topics. And I'm more than more than great more than grateful for that opportunity. I also enjoy being able to share some of the information I get with people that can benefit from it. But anyway, with, with COVID, you know, you can get yourself much improved metabolic health in, in, in weeks. And so give, giving people the idea of, of a strategy that can help them do that and, you know, uh, therapeutic carbohydrate restriction is one strategy that works for many people for whom it, nothing else worked. So 
that that's something that I like to share with people. And, and again, I don't tell people that that's the only way. I have an 80-year-old mother who has improved her health over the last 10 years uh, amazingly. She, she walks, she does um, modified push-up. She, um, she's in the healthiest condition that she's been in in decades. And her approach is more of a plant-based, lower, lower fat, but she also prioritizes protein to a certain extent. And so I am totally aware that there's multiple approaches that can work, but you need to find one of them that works for you. Yeah, that's true. And, and you're right. It's it's a matter of fi- finding that approach that, you know, prepares you for the things that come in life. And, you know, for you, it was, it was preparation for cancer. You know, for a lot of people uh, this last year, you're, you're right. You know, a lot of people weren't prepared physically to fight off COVID and that sucks. And and this is, is not making light of anybody who, you know, had a hard fight with it. Honestly, the opposite, you know, those that, you know, hopefully it motivated some people to say, you know what, I've, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people lost their jobs and a lot of people began working from home who never worked from home before. But hopefully in doing so, people found the opportunity to get outside more, you know, get more sunlight, get more activity in their lives, you know, maybe replace their commute with a walk, replace their commute with, you know, a little bit of of body weight resistance training or whatever it is to, to get there, you know, not having, you know, when I used to work in the office, we oftentimes would, you know, have a breakfast meeting, would have food brought in. We have a lunch meeting, have food brought in, have a dinner meeting, meet at some restaurant. And next thing you know, you're eating three or four large meals a day. And, and you know, hopefully with, with more people working from home, maybe maybe it, it helps some people find health that they uh, that they didn't have before. So I appreciate you sharing your story of, of how, you know, being metabolically healthy prepared you for that fight. And, and hope, hopefully more people have, have taken the opportunity this last year to, to realize that, you know, one of the biggest risk factors uh, being shared with uh, with from doctors is that you know metabolic health uh, was one of the ways that more people fared better against COVID because it is more of a cardiovascular disease and so being healthier made a difference for those folks you know with your with your health and in, in, you know it's probably a little bit of a circle back but not altogether but you know since since you've kind of found the path you've been on you've you've made you know continued progress have, have there been any real hurdles or setbacks? Uh, along the way that, that you felt like almost almost put you back on back on the wrong track and, and how'd you overcome how'd you overcome those those hurdles um yeah that's a good question and uh, I talk with a lot of people that share some of the same experiences I have who seem to have hurdles with respect to the the weight loss and maintenance and I can honestly say in terms of the the initial um, weight issues that I dealt with previously that I've got that figured out. And I, I mean, I have a plan and it works. And so, no, I don't have any issues with, re- if that, if that's what you're asking about, like um, falling off the wagon. One thing I did several months back, uh, because I kept getting asked by people, what is it that, that you do? You know, what, what is your, your diet? And I realized each time that somebody would ask me that, which by the way, I love when people ask me questions like that because it makes you think and it, it makes you, what the goal is, is to be able to give someone a quick answer that will help them. And if you can't give somebody that answer, you probably don't really have it figured out yourself. So I made a card that is called my, my uh, nutrition rules. And on that card, it, it like literally fits in my wallet and I carry it. I, I actually am thinking about getting a couple of them printed up so I can just hand it to somebody because I've, when I go to low carb San Diego conference in August, for example, I'm sure someone's going to ask me, what is it that you do? What worked for you? And I'd be just like, Here, here's my card. This is what I do. 
And basically the card has five bullet points and it says that I eat, I don't eat after nine o'clock and I don't eat before 12 noon. So that's my little intermittent fasting. And I eat between 50 and 90 carbs per day. And I eat over 190 grams of protein per day. And I don't eat, I virtually eat no seed oils or added sugar. And that's basically it. I think those are, those are the entire rules, but I write them down on the card and I carry it with me. And then every month or two, I, I, I examine that card and I say, has anything changed? And if it does, I, I just make a, a little modification so that I know what I do. And then I subsequently made a set of rules, same very basic thing for, for um, my fitness plan. And then there's one other little thing that I do with, in terms of weight, and that's knowing that my, my, my target or goal weight is about 200 pounds, give or take, you know, you lose, you, you become much less concerned about it when you realize that you control it. So if I weigh 203 or 204, there's no fear because if I, if I want to get down to 199, I could do it in, in a day or two. It's like, that's not my concern. You know, like, like I, I know that that's about what I want to weigh, but I stand on the scale every morning and I just take a note of what I weigh. And if that, if that number ever goes up to say 205, I just dial it down a little bit. Um, it's that simple for me. And basically when I dial it down, I dial down the carbs um, a little bit. I'm in that 50 to 90 threshold and maybe it creeps up because I'm at 90 too many days in a row. And so I push it down to 50 again, not hard. Anyway, so, so, so I don't have any real struggles maintaining the weight, but I have put added pressure on myself to improve in other aspects of my life. There's always something that's weighing on my mind. There's always an area of my life. I'm, I'm not naturally organized. I'm not naturally um, somebody that excellent time management comes to naturally. And so I'm spending a lot of time lately trying to improve on those areas of my life. I, I do a lot of writing for my job. For years, I struggled with like writer's block and I struggled with uh, getting the, the process done efficiently. And, you know, I, I devoted myself when I, when I started my weekly newsletter almost a year ago, I was trying to get past that writer's block. And uh, now 50 consecutive weeks into my weekly biggest comeback email, I've accomplished what I was looking to do. I, I'm writing much more effectively and efficiently because I, I'm working those muscles over and over and refining my ability to, to say what's on my mind. So, so I, I do, I struggle with things just as much as I ever did, but the, the net results just keep improving. Um, so I keep looking for whatever the weak link is and trying to focus on that while maintaining the other aspects of my life. Yeah, I've, I've referenced your cards uh, myself a few times. Uh, Jock, Jocko Willink, when, was, when he was on the Tim Ferriss podcast, and Tim always asked, you know, if you could have a billboard anywhere, what would you put on the billboard? And, and Jocko's answer was freedom through discipline. Having, having your maxims, if you will, you know, recorded on this card is a good way to put a system in place. And I think that's a, a very effective way. I remember reading your fitness one uh, and it had, you know, your kind of daily, I think on the right side, I had your daily activities from a fitness uh, standpoint. And that's been several months ago, if I recall, have you had any modification to that since then? Or how, how have you, how have you evolved that from where you started? 
I'm always refining and reviewing. And sometimes, honestly, I, I make little changes. The card just kind of keeps me honest. Like I don't even stress over the days anymore. I pretty much go down to the gym in my basement. Lately, I've actually been working down there. I've got my, um, my computer set up on the ping pong table and I have a, a chair and I work with my back right to the gym. So sometimes I'll even do a set, you know, if I'm in the mood to just, you know, get something going, I'll do a couple of sets while I'm working. Uh, you know, if I'm writing, it's like whenever I hit a dry spot, it's amazing how a set of uh, exercise will uh, free your mind a little bit. But the, um, the modifications, yeah, I'm always looking for ways to improve. And I'm, I'm probably going to um, incorporate some refinements in the next week or so on the basis of me running three days a week, because I, I have been, had been running much less um, over the winter and I probably will lighten up a little bit on the weights, at least the frequency. Um, I'm, I'm finding that if I, you know, you don't, you don't have, I like to do something every day at least. And sometimes I'll do two different things um, so I can run uh, in the morning like I did today. And then I can, can maybe hit shoulders tonight or something like that. It's, it's easy when they're in little bite-sized chunks, you know, a shoulder workout for me might take 30 minutes and uh, I'll feel good. Um, and I, I only do some exercises. I only do once a week. Um, but yeah, I'm always, I'm always refining and I'm always trying to learn from other people. And yeah, I just, I just hold that card. I look at it and I'm like, well, am I, am I doing most of these things on the card on a regular basis? And if I am, it all, it all works. Yeah. I, 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 so based on some of your pictures, those, those big, uh, big triceps you have may slow you down when you're running a little bit. Um, uh, some, some sort of extra weight on both sides there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, you, you mentioned you recently started running more um, like you did when you were back in school. Are, are there other, you know, fitness things or nutrition things that, that you're curious about that you haven't done, but you're, you, you look and say, I'd like to, I'd like to try that out. Um, well, one thing that I just dabbled in a little bit is uh, sprinting. I know that sprinting, I, I'm, I'm confident that sprinting is good for you. I'm going to commit to this 5K training. I may try to work some sprints in a little bit over the summer as well. You know, you can only go so many directions. And I feel like a 5K is a short enough distance where, you know, I'm going to work some speed in there. It may not be all full-fledged you know, sprinting, but, but anyway, that's one thing. I, there's lots of things nutritional, nutritionally that I continue, you know, I, I keep an open mind, um, despite the fact that many on Twitter accuse me of being a low-carb zealot. I'm not locked in to any one thing. I know that a well-constructed low-carb diet, especially with a prioritizing protein, is, is a great way of maintaining um, a healthy weight by, by controlling your appetite and, and uh, suppressing uh, cravings. But, you know, there's certain things that I look at, like, um, you know, overall red meat consumption, you know, uh, overall saturated fat consumption. It, I'm looking to optimize. So I, I listen to, to people on both sides of all sorts of things. And, um, you know, when I took the um, cardiovascular health um, assessment through your company, you know, there was overall my health appeared to be quite good. Um, I shared the results um, in their entirety on my, on my weekly email. And I think I shared the link on Twitter. So, you know, I, I let people see my results. My LDL numbers were not optimal, although they were not... Um, 
you know, particularly concerning in my, in my view. But um, I did talk to um, Dr. William Cromwell, um, and, and he gave me some great perspective. And so I'm, you know, I don't discount anything that might be suboptimal. I want to try to focus on how to make it the best I can make it within the, the constraints that I'm operating under. So, so I'm, always, I'm always looking, you know, I'm, I'm always reading and listening. Um, that's always been a characteristic of mine, you know, like, like I have my political viewpoints, yet I consciously listen to people that are diametrically opposed to me um, because I want to understand, you know, some of these people are very smart, um, people that hold different views than you. Well, there's a reason why a smart person has a different view and they might be right, they might be wrong, but I like to understand what it is because just listening to all people with this, the same view isn't going to get you anywhere. And, and some of the people that are on your side, quite honestly, aren't, you know, they, they're, they're not holding a lot of knowledge. So just someone that you can um, share retweets with isn't, isn't necessarily going to take you to a higher place. Uh, and I, I find it fascinating, honestly, when, uh, you know, if I, you know, there's people that I respect who get in arguments with other people who I respect. And I'm like, well, one of these people is actually wrong about this issue, I think, but I've got to figure out which one it is and why. Um, and, and, I, and then sometimes there, sometimes two people with different views can both be right. Sometimes they don't always state their position correctly, but um, you know, low carb can be right and low fat can be right um, for different people. So um, just as long as you don't say low fat is good for everyone, and low carb is good for everyone. You know, it's, it's you know, keep an open mind. And, and I try to do that. It's seeking truth and, and listening and learning and trying to figure out, you know, what it is that, you know, what it is that makes people reach the conclusions they're reaching. That's, that's a good way of thinking about it. And you're, and you're right. There are smart people on, on, on almost every side of an argument. And they're oftentimes both right. Uh, they're just sometimes both right about the same 95% and somewhere on the fringe of those, they're, they're not overlapping and, and disagree. So it happens. You, you know, you mentioned you, you took our, our risk assessment, you know, back in mid 20, uh, 2020, uh, when we first launched our diabetic risk assessment and having, you know, having followed your, your journey, you were one of the first people I reached out to that I didn't know personally and said, Hey, I'd love to pull you through the thing here and, and let you try it out. And then you graciously did so and, and shared your story. And then the same thing with our cardiometabolic risk, you know, again, as someone who took our diabetic risk and we wanted um, some you know, early feedback on our cardiometabolic risk assessment, we launched that and, and you, again, graciously did so and with an open mind, took the assessment and spent a little time with, uh, with Dr. Cromwell on, you know, his expertise as a, as a really long-term lipidologist and someone who, you know, not just as my business partner, but someone whose depth of knowledge I greatly respect and hope hope that someday I've got a fraction of his ability to understand uh, what makes what makes hearts and, and bodies tick well. Were, were there any changes you made or things that things that you researched and decided not to change based on your your most recent cardiometabolic risk assessment? You know, overall the assessment I thought was pretty excellent in most regards, especially like in the areas of, of my uh, insulin sensitivity and so metabolically, I'm pretty healthy and pro certainly, no doubt, much healthier than I was when I was 278 pounds. So I feel I'm on the right track with that. And then I got some really good insights from uh, Dr. Cromwell about the LDL. And yeah, you know, I I'd be interested in taking the assessment again in another year 
um, or another eight months or whatever it is, because there's a couple of things that I um, think from what I've read might improve my, my results a little bit and probably make me healthier. And, you know, I, I could be wrong. I'm not advising other people. But one thing I've, I've been trying to make a point of is eating more, um, more seafood, uh, which is incredible, like salmon, for example, especially when I can get good prices on um, salmon at the, um, the Sam's Club or whatever. It's, it's incredibly filling. It's incredibly satiating and um, has excellent macros, I think that there's a chance that it could um, help reduce my LDL. And that'll be interesting because that's not a compromise or a sacrifice in my view. That's, that's um, and it's also probably good for the omega-3. And I'm not an expert on this, but I am a believer from what I've read that um, too much omega-6 um, in relation to omega-3 has negative consequences. And I know for a fact that, you know, so many, so much of my health has gotten better. Now, part of it, the critics would say is just due to the, the weight loss, which that's obvious that the weight loss is going to be um, beneficial for your health. But when I, I didn't give up the seed oils right away, when I, when I had read the book by Taubes and I, I, I did actually give up the seed oils almost, you know, cold Turkey after, um, hearing a few other people talk about them a couple of months later. And I noticed some, some improvements in the way I felt after giving up the seed oils. And so uh, I don't think that was um, strictly a result of weight loss because, um, you know, I was only losing five pounds a month and I noticed some rather drastic um, health benefits. I didn't mention, you know, uh, I, I had a, a, an issue with my breathing since I was 12 years old. It wasn't it didn't really limit my activities or my life, but it caused discomfort pretty much on an ongoing basis since I was 12. And that just disappeared like within a very short period of time after going low carb. That was not a weight thing primarily because I experienced the um, breathing difficulty regardless of my weight throughout my entire life. And it's, it's just completely gone. I also suffered a lot of allergies, completely gone. And Incidentally, I can't remember the last time I've had a cold. I'm talking years. Okay, right. I can't remember the last time I've needed to use a tissue to blow my nose. It's uh, it's really kind of uncanny, you know, like a cough, um, you know, just not not something that I experience anymore. That's really um uh so so yeah, the the, the incorporating more salmon, uh, more fish, sardines, which I don't love, but I do eat now um uh once or twice a week and uh and, and I've also made a point of trying to eat more green vegetables, you know, broccoli and asparagus, uh, you can eat quite a lot of them without, you're not eating very many calories, but it, it does, it does fill you up. And I would call that uh, hedging my bet. I don't have any negative. There's like some people complain about uh, adverse effects from plants. If that affects you, then I understand why you don't eat plants. But for me, I don't have any adverse effects. It, it fills me up a little better. And I figure we'll see if that helps anything in terms of my results in the next time I take the assessment. Yeah, it's funny. It's, uh, you know, broccoli. My wife used to laugh at me as I, as I kind of took my own low carb journey. And I would have, uh, I would have steak with a side of chicken. And so uh, of, of, of late, I've started working more broccoli in over there on the, on that, on that side of the plate. Cause same thing. I, uh, you know, I took, I took my own assessment and metabolically, I was good. Diabetic risk, I was good. Similar to you there. Things were, things were all fantastic. My cardiovascular risk was a little bit high in my case because of, I had a CIMT done carotid artery scan and had a little uh, trace plaque found there. So that pushed my, my 
cardiovascular score up a little bit. And then my uh, systemic inflammation measured by the, uh, the glyca was right at 400. So 400 is the cutoff between no risk and high risk. Uh, so I was exactly at, at that point. So, and I did the same thing I'm, as you, as you, uh, where I looked at my diet and said, okay, what do I get? What do I have in here that I'm could maybe do differently? And I, I again, broccoli uh, started, okay. I need a little more, more broccoli, more vegetables of, of that kind of stuff, leafy greens, more salmon. I use uh, getting my inflammation under control as an excuse to have a little more sushi. Now slight adjustments to optimize hedge a little bit. That's a good, that's a good description and, and uh, go from there. You you, know, you mentioned Gary Tobbs and, and Brady Homer. You know, who are the other people that you really look to? I mean, I'm sure there's a, a, a laundry list like, like I have. Who are the people you really look to for advice? Well, I, uh, Dr. Brian Lemskis and Dr. Trocolagian, um, the uh, founders of the Low Carb MD podcast, which I got on board with relatively soon after I went low carb. And I, I've learned a tremendous amount from their podcast, uh, subsequent to listening to many of their podcast um, episodes, well, not many, I, I've literally listened to every single one of the 176 podcast episodes that they've put out. But I currently now for the last year or so, I've been um, helping them with some marketing for their podcast, you know, and I've written content for them. So, so they've, they've been great. Dr. Tro has personally, you know, called me about a couple of medical issues that I was experiencing, you know, just as a uh, somebody that was looking out for somebody that he, 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 you know, he was supporting. And, and so I'm very thankful for that. And, and Brian has helped me with some things, you know, like Brian has another podcast called uh, Life's Best Medicine, where he is talking more about the aspects of life that don't relate directly to nutrition, but, you know, relate to hope and so forth. So I've learned a lot from him. So I guess those two, I've, I've benefited from so many people that have agreed to talk to me for articles. I've spent a lot of time working with Doug Reynolds over at Low Carb USA, and, and he recently founded the Society of Metabolic Health Practitioners. He and his uh, Low Carb USA co-founder, Pam Devine, have been great. Also, like people like Ted Naiman, who took time out to explain stuff about the protein energy diet. JT Tushera, who's an incredible um, expert in the area of body weight fitness. There are so many people that are experts at things. So there's no excuse for you to feel like you have to go out and invent the wheel. There's people that have figured it out. You don't necessarily know exactly which one is the, the perfect answer for you, but you talk to some of these people and you can get pretty far pretty quickly just by doing some trial and error and, and using your brain. In terms of the process, I find that I'm more open-minded. I listen to more people rather than just chasing one person all the way because I know there's nuance and subtlety. But on the other hand, there's some things like training for a 5K. I read the responses to a tweet I made and people gave me a lot of different approaches, but there were some very common themes. And one of them was structure like a three-day workout with a short workout, an interval workout, and a long workout. And I got that suggestion from multiple people, several of whom I know know what they're talking about. And I was like, well, you know what? I'm, you know, the, the workout Brady designed for me followed that basic format. And I'm like, well, I don't need to overthink this. I'm gonna take what he designed for me. And I'm going to literally do it because I have the confidence that plus or minus a couple of percentage points, it's perfect for me. So you, you know, you don't, you don't need to overthink things. And sometimes you need to just start doing something to make sure it works. Like some people sit around too much and read too many books 
without doing anything, but you can go the other direction. You got to start doing something and then start refining. Uh, and I'm sure I've, I'm sure there's other people that I could and should mention that I'm, that I'm leaving out. There's been so many people that have helped me enormously over the, the last three years. And I'm grateful to all of them. I mean, on Twitter, there's, there's people that send me messages of support and help me and, and have, have really gone out of their way to, to try to do things. I would encourage anybody that wants to improve. In fact, I just wrote an email on Sunday about the process. Brian Lenski has gave me some good advice about letting people know that you need some help, you know, telling them what it is that you need help on there's usually going to be someone that will respond to you and that's important. And then you keep refining. But interestingly, I, I received several messages and email responses to my email from a couple of people who asked me for help in a couple of instances, um, things that I actually am not qualified to help with. But even still, I tried to figure out a direction or a little piece of advice that might get them to where they have the help that they need. And at the very least, they know that somebody cares about them and, and is rooting for them and hoping that they, uh, that they succeed. And that alone really can't be understated because uh, we're overstated. I, uh, but anyway, it's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's important to have people that are rooting for you. And, uh, and if you let people know that you're struggling, you'll find that there are more of those people than you ever aware, were aware of before. You've used Twitter to build and be part of a community of support for a lot of folks. You know, that rolled into a newsletter that has now reached, I don't know how many subscribers you have, but that enough people were able to, you know, read your your recent uh, newsletter. And I read your newsletter every week uh, that, that reached back to you and said, hey, I need some help. And you were uh, gracious enough to help point them in the right direction to someone who could help. That says a lot about your work and your beliefs that back that work. Uh, what, what's the story behind Biggest Comeback? And as that evolved from whatever it started as to your Twitter account, to this newsletter, you know, what's the story of that? One more, one more person I have to, to mention, Sue Kramlick is the CEO and founder of Simply Snacking. And she last summer began sponsoring my email, Biggest Comeback. And I am most exceedingly grateful to her because without her support and help, the email wouldn't be where it is. And I would be reaching far less people. Her product is basically 10 varieties of beef and chicken snacks, and they all have an excellent PE ratio, but one of them, the, um, the original beef is my favorite, and it has um, nine grams of protein, one gram of carb or less than one gram of carb, and four grams of fat. And I carry a couple dozen of them with me at all times, and I give them out to friends and family. So anyway, I'm sorry this is turning into a, um, a commercial, but oh, not at all. I, can on, I can honestly <laughs> say that, you know, somebody on Twitter just recently said that, you know, I, I made a post about Simply Snacking and the, the person referred to it as a conflict of interest because she sponsored my email. And I laughed and I responded back with no animosity whatsoever. I said, I consider it an alignment of interest. It's a product that developed a fondness towards long before she sponsored my email. And I truly do not only eat it every day, but I also purchase it for my consumption and for my family. But Alignment of interest is very important. Um, and I consider like my relationship with you an alignment of interest. Um, I talk about your health report, not because you've done something for me, but because, because it's a good product and it, it's a good way for someone to address their health. Just like the reason that I talk positively about low carb MD is not because I do some marketing work for um, 
for the podcast. It's the other way around. I do the marketing work for them um, as a result of my strong belief. In, and so everything that I do, I try to figure out ways to develop alignment of interest. Back to your question. And I know we're probably getting up on the end of this podcast, but the biggest comeback handle, I took the name on Twitter in April of 2009 when my dad was suffering from pancreatic cancer and he was really struggling health-wise. He was living in Vermont and I was driving back and forth from, from New York to Vermont to visit my dad. And when I would get up to the house after I would see him for a little while and talk to my mom, I would go up to the attic and uh, retire for the night. And I found it was during that time that I discovered Twitter. Um, at the same time, I was running a business, a retail art and framing gallery that I had been uh, running for the prior 13 years. At that time, things were really getting tough. I guess it was 2009 and the um, economy was struggling and my business was struggling. I was paying $5,000 a month in rent. I honestly didn't know if I was going to be able to continue doing it. And, and I was at real great financial risk because that was my livelihood. And I had a family and I was amassing credit card debt. And I took on that handle, was going to document my recovery in, in that business. And it didn't really work out. The business didn't last too much longer. And fortunately, I got out and went into a different field, digital marketing and uh, public relations. But I had that handle. Biggest comeback was to document my comeback in the business world. And so when I started up the uh, low carb in uh, January of 2018, I revived that account. I had I had 19 followers. And I remember that because uh, Ted Naiman made a, uh, a tweet saying that I deserve more followers than 19. I, I saved that tweet, a screenshot of it. And I look back on it every now and then because I just recently crossed the 10,000 follower threshold and I'm grateful to every one of them. But that is the story of biggest comeback. That's a fantastic story because you're right. The comeback that you intended didn't happen, but it's it's turned into a different comeback. And looking from the further down the line of your comeback, you've definitely come back. So I, I appreciate being one of those 10,000 and seeing it happen from that side. So people can find you on Twitter at Biggest Comeback, uh, your newsletter, Biggest Comeback, and I'll link to that in the show notes. Any parting thoughts or or other places to find you or things we didn't talk about? Anything else we should pop in here? Well, I, I greatly appreciate this opportunity. I value um, our friendship and uh, I really enjoy talking. I gain more from these conversations than you could imagine. I just want to continue this journey. I am I'm really working hard to try to figure out a way to help people get to where they want to be using some of the same methods that I've used. And I welcome people to sign up for the email. I Aside from, you know, I do have a sponsor, but I don't sell anything in the email. It's um, it's just me sharing what I think will help other people. So if anybody wants to jump on board, and I respond to every single email that I get, and I get many of them. So I encourage people to jump on board. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, I didn't get anywhere that I've, anything I've accomplished, I did not do by myself. And I love working with other people. And I love um, just uh, trying to improve not only myself, but other people in the process. Awesome. Well, thank you, Chris. I sincerely appreciate this conversation. You're right. It flew by like we were just having a cup of coffee. And I think those are the best conversations. And thank you for being our first guest. I appreciate all that you share. And thanks a lot. And until next time. Thank you for tuning into the Healthy Figures podcast. We hope you found this as enjoyable as we did. Drop us a line at PersistentHealthSports.com for topics and guests that may interest you. You can also find us on your favorite social media channels, although we are most active on LinkedIn and Twitter. Until next time, stay healthy.